What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me on the other end of the line, as always, is my co-host, Curtis. Uh, you can follow and interact with us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UJ, and you can email us your thoughts to GloryUJPodcast at gmail.com if that's more your style. Uh, you can also find the show on all the main podcasting platforms out there, including iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. So uh, subscribe to, rate, review the show, and definitely let us know what you think so that we can do our best to make sure we are bringing you guys the content that you all desire. All right, well, uh, 1-0, guys. 1-0. Uh, I guess it has to start somewhere, right? Uh, it's always great to get a win, especially to open the season against a team that has the reputation, although I don't know how much it's earned. They really only had one big upset, but they had the reputation still for being giant killers. But we put them away early, and it was really never in doubt. I mean, it took us until late in the first quarter to actually put some points on the board, but once we... Uh, we broke through that barrier. Uh, we never really looked back. We, we definitely saw a multitude, multitude of things to be excited about. But um, I think we would probably be remiss, Kurt. I think you probably agree if we did not open the show with the one topic that is on everyone's mind. And that is the quarterback situation. So, Curtis, uh, I guess the news just came down, uh, right? Saying week to week, three to six weeks probably with a knee sprain. So nothing's torn, which is great on Eason's his knee. Uh Where's your mind at right now with this quarterback situation? Um, the biggest thing, I mean, I'm more worried about recruiting than I am this season right now. Really? Yeah. Even though we're, we're just kicking off the season here? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, because while I think we're going to have a good season this year, we're not a playoff team, and we're not, you know, a team that's going to win the SEC championship as a total. But I think the biggest thing is, for us to build on this and go into the next season, the years after that, we have to, you know, create, you know, build more depth into things around that thing. And there's certain positions and things that I just worry me, especially, you know, with the quarterback recruiting, there's some, there's a lot of outlooks that can happen. I mean, you know, if you let's be specific. So what are you talking about with the recruiting front? What's, what's your concern here? Quarterback here. There's two, there's two, either two options that happen. All right. If Fromm keeps the job for good and becomes a solidified starter, then you're probably more than likely to see Jacob transfer. If that happens and you're left with one scholarship quarterback on your roster. Yep. And, and yeah. And what and, and what, and what about the recruiting front? It's hard to get fields at that point, too. I mean, yeah. you can sell him on the fact that he's one play away from playing just like Fromm was, but at the same time, um, I mean, you just never know. You're not going to commit to a team based on the hope that the quarterback in front of you gets hurt. You're just not. I mean, I think you're exactly right. You're spot on. I, this is my thought process as well. I'm just kind of reiterate what you said. Like right now, we need Fron to play well to win games, right? Yeah. So right now, we, we have to. We have to root for Fron to play well. Because I'm telling you guys right now, I know a lot of people think we're just going to roll through Notre Dame. That's crazy talk, okay? That team is – I know our defense is good, but that offense is just as good as our defense is. We're going to have to score points to beat them. We cannot go in there with a conservative game plan and just hope that we somehow run our way to victory. I, I, don't, I just don't see that happening. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know everything. I just, I think we're going to have to let Fromm play, and he's going to have to play well for us to win that game. I think Mississippi State at home in a couple weeks. If Jacob's not back by then, if Easton's not ready to go, which if you look at it, that's pushing it. Probably not. You're probably looking at Tennessee. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but if, you know, typically it's three to six weeks for a knee sprain. You're looking probably about Tennessee to, when you can probably realistically expect him back. So to play, I know it's at home at Mississippi State. We're we're going to have to have good quarterback play. We're going to have to win those games. And we're going to have to have uh, Fromm play well for that to happen. So on one hand, we absolutely, clearly, obviously want him to play well. But you're exactly right, Kurt. If he does, if he plays well enough 
for us to win those games, and maybe he solidifies himself based on his production as our starting quarterback, kind of like a, a Dak Prescott Cowboy situation last year, right with Romo. Some, I mean, it's it's a it's a different, a little bit of a different scenario, but hey, I mean, the starter goes down, the guy who's entrenched as your starter, he goes down, backup comes in, young guy plays really well, and if he's playing really well and putting up numbers and the kind of numbers that it would take for us to win some of these big matchups, then it's really hard to to bench him when the starter comes back. And you don't, and you're right, Eason doesn't have a uh, the, the booth he can go to and start calling games right away and retire, you're right, he's going to transfer. And if he transfers... Yeah, transfer back to UW more than likely. Yeah, absolutely. It could be. I mean, we don't... I mean, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it's a very realistic possibility if Fromm plays as well as he needs to and, and potentially solidifies himself. And we don't know if that's going to happen, but if he does, it's a very real possibility that Eason's gone. And then you're right. If he transfers, we're left with one scholarship quarterback, and then what does that do with Justin Fields? So, you know, no one really knows exactly where he's leaning right now, but there are some... There are some heavy indications that he is leaning towards us right now. But he said before the season, okay, I don't have it verbatim here, but in an interview he essentially said one of the reasons he was waiting to commit into this middle part, early part of the season here is he wanted to see what was happening. What if Jacob Eason goes down and Fromm has to play and he plays really well? He said that would impact his decision. Absolutely would impact his decision. So if Fromm plays well, that's great. That's awesome. We'll win some football games. But then Eason possibly likely would transfer. We would likely not end up with Justin Fields. So we're left with scraps at quarterback position in the 2018 class, which would put us at a, with a depth situation at quarterback that's even worse than what is what it is this year. So I, I don't know what to think here, man. It's, it's kind of throwing me for a loop. Now, that's if Fromm plays well. Say, the one thing that it to- kind of helps us a little bit is the fact that Francois goes down too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just – and look, we can't, it's, we can't get inside Justin Fields' head. We don't know – I mean, I, I'm of the opinion right now that you want to win right now, okay? So you do what's best for your team to win right now. I know that's – I think you might see it a little bit different. That's that's totally cool. But I think we got we have to worry about this season now and then let recruiting take care of itself. But, look, I want Justin Fields, Justin Fields as much as anybody. And the ideal scenario was to have Eason be the guy for this year, next year, and play well enough to go pro after his junior year. Then you have Fromm and Justin Fields, two elite quarterback prospects. Let them battle it out and let the best man win, right? That's the best-case scenario. But that's that's not reality for us right now. Okay, we've got Jake Fromm leading this team for at least the next couple of weeks, and we need him to play well. We need him to play well, and if he does, like we just laid out, it it could create a, a quarterback controversy and a very just a just a tough situation to be in. Uh, it's one of those things. Just you, I guess you could call it a a good situation to be or a good problem to have. You know the old cliche, it's a good problem to have. But I don't know, man. Anytime you have a quarterback controversy, it's just. It's it's a problem. It's not something that ide- that you clearly want to be in in an ideal situation. But all that's assuming Fromm plays well. I mean, what if he plays like crap over the next couple of weeks? I mean, he is a true freshman. I mean, you guys know that if you listen to the show over the, the past year or so, you know I'm I'm probably the president of the Jake Fromm fan club. Okay, I, I am. I love the guy, but I, I'm not naive. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be perfect. The guy's a true freshman. He's going to make true freshman mistakes. Right, the moment's not going to be too big for him because he, he just has that moxie. He has that it factor about him. So I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about another having another season with a true freshman quarterback like we had last year with Eason. They're going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter how talented you are, how prepared you are. You are a true freshman. You have not experienced these situations. You're going to make mistakes. We yeah, just I mean, have to hope. What you're really going to see is you're going to see now the teams know a freshman's going to be playing. I mean, yep. you know, absolutely didn't have enough time to do it, but you're going to see teams that are just going to sit there and practice disguising their coverages the entire part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and once you, you get once you get a little film on him, you find his doesn't weaknesses. How ready you are? I mean, you're not. You can't be ready for things like that. 
No, you can't. And look, just look at our record over the past decade. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you go back and look at our record with true freshmen or redshirt freshman quarterbacks, you go back David Green, uh, you got Aaron Murray, you got Matthew Stafford. Aaron Murray was. We were under 500. Yeah, I mean, look at the numbers with freshmen, whether it's true or redshirt freshman quarterbacks playing for us versus our numbers, our win totals with a sophomore quarterback. It's it's night and day, obviously. And it should be, right? Because as a sophomore, you're experienced. You've gone through the lump. You've taken your bumps. You've taken your bruises. You, you've you made mistakes. You've learned from them. As a freshman, sometimes you're too stupid to know that, you, that you're going to make a mistake, so you just let it fly, and that, that can work out really well, but can also be disastrous, okay? And you're going to have moments where you where you do some great things as a true freshman because these guys are really talented. I mean, Eason had those moments last year, but you're also going to have moments where you are a true freshman and you lose football games. So as much as I love Jake Fromm, and I, I think long-term, he's going to be an outstanding quarterback for us. I mean, a guy that could potentially, once you get the roster fill up, lead us to not just SEC titles, but put us in playoff contention if he was to win the job. But right now, he's a true freshman, and, and he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to be intimidated. He's not going to be scared by the moment. I don't have any concerns about that. This guy's been doing it since he was a kid playing in the Little League World Series. But the fact is, like you said... Teams are going to get film on you. They're going to figure out your weaknesses. They're going to disguise coverages. And you're going to make mistakes. He's going to learn from them. He will. But the fact remains, he's going to make mistakes. So, I don't know, man. But we uh, this is the situation we're in. And we can't complain about it. We just got to live with it. But I, I'm, I'm highly concerned about what it means right now for the team. Because uh, this season, with a potential quarterback controversy, if, if Fromm does really play well, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for the coaches to pull him out. It, it is. I know Eason's been entrenched as a starter. But you saw the Cowboys last year. I know that's pro versus college, but it's, it's a similar situation. You have a guy who was entrenched as a starter. He's the guy. Young guy comes in. You're just hoping that he plays well enough to kind of keep you afloat until the starter comes back, and the young guy just takes it and runs with it. I'm not going to sit here and predict that's going to happen, but it's, is that outside the realm of possibility? No. It's not. And if it happens, you're going to have a full-fledged quarterback controversy on your hands, and I mean, Kirby's still a young head coach dealing with that. Ah, man, it's just uh, – I guess the silver lining would be if we do find ourselves in a situation where you have a quarterback controversy, that's because Fromm played really well, and he's playing well enough for us to win football games, and we can win with him. So I guess that's the silver lining. But down the road, you're right. The repercussions down the road for next year and beyond, with Issa potentially transferring, with us potentially not landing Justin Fields, who I think is the number one quarterback in the country this year, uh, which I've been saying since last year, it's it's concerning. Um, we're just going to have to let it play out and see what happens here. How how confident are you in from going into Notre Dame and winning this football game? Not very confident. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that later this week with our with our preview show. I mean, the biggest thing to me is you know people want to talk about yeah, Fromm had a great you know opening game, and don't get me wrong, I believe he did. Um, but you have to look into certain things like the fact that it was App State, and then you also got to look at how Easton's very first game he comes into. When he's a freshman, he comes into a lot bigger game. Um, you know, in the dome, we're behind. He true. Throws there are some big strikes, like the one McKenzie, to get us into position to go for the go-ahead touchdown. He's 8 for 12. Um, has 14 less yards, but also has a higher QB rating. And then, you know, we go into the rest of the season thinking that's how it's going to be. But then, like, like you know, we've been talking about teams get film on you. They start trying to mix things up on mix things up on you and throw things at you that you're not ready. And then it's just the fact that once you get an SEC play, it's better competition than you've ever seen before. And we don't have players like what Alabama was able to surround Jalen Hurts with. Right. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, with Jalen Hurts and some yeah, at Alabama – he doesn't like look a 
against FSU, he throws for 96 yards. Yeah. Uh, but yet they win 24-7 because they have so many weapons around that he doesn't have to throw for 200 to 250 yards to win, where that's not the case with us and against he, a good team. He also has the legs. He has the running dimension, which allows them to kind of play off of that. And you have the linemen, you have, this, you have that, the, the, the personnel around him to kind of build around his strengths. We don't have the luxury to do that. We don't have – Fromm is not – I mean, he's functionally mobile, but he's not a guy that you're going to design a running game around like they did and, and feature him as a runner like they did with Hurts last year. Uh, he doesn't have the offensive line around him. He, well, I think I think we have some really good playmakers at the skill positions, but is that you know I, I mean, the running back position? I think we're equal to them at the wide receiver position. We don't have Calvin Ridley. I mean, no, I mean, we have some guys. We don't have Calvin Ridley. Jalen Hurts total had 151 yards total with rushing and passing combined. But they still won. And if, if Fromm went out there and did that, we're not winning. Yeah, they even with those numbers from Jalen Hurts, they still beat the number number three team in the country 24 seven. And we can't yeah. even do that against an unranked team. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the rosters. I mean, our roster's just not there yet. We're getting there. It's just not there at this point. Look, I, we'll, we'll definitely get into the From discussion more so as it pertains to Notre Dame with, with our preview show later in the week. But, yeah, I mean, just off the cuff here, I mean, I, I'm in the process. I started watching the Notre Dame game from Temple. Um, it, man, they're, they're going to score points. I'll just you know give you a little teaser here. That team is going to score points. I know our defense is, is a solid unit. But that offense is really good, and they're going to score points on us. I don't, I don't love the matchup with that strength of their passing game versus the most vulnerable part of our defense being our secondary. We have a lot of young guys running around the field, in, the, in the back end. They're going to be making some mistakes here and blow some coverage. Just like quarterbacks make mistakes as true freshmen, so do guys in the secondary. And when, a, when the safety, oh, I don't know, Richard LeCount perhaps makes a, a mistake back there in coverage, I mean, you're, that's that's an easy six, man. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, look, uh, uh, probably three-fourths of App State's yards came up blown assignments yep. by our linebackers and DBs. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, like, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not. I mean, we absolutely can go in there and beat Notre Dame. We can. I mean, we had the, we. I, I think we we're a more talented team, but the quarterback situations, uh, as much as I love Fromm, I mean, I need to see it. I, love, I think his potential is, is off the charts. I think he can be a, potentially a really good quarterback for us, but... The produ- I mean, he had a good first game. You're coming in being prepared, but we haven't seen him produce in the big moments yet. And until I see it, I can't sit here and say I'm a thousand percent confident that we're going to be able to roll into South Bend and win that football game. We'll get into that more. Um, but it's just, um, it does. I guess you have less optimism about that game. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. Um, I hate to say it, but right now I have the whole optimism on the team. I mean, uh, you know, I went from seeing eleven and one, ten and two, to Right now, an eight and four outlook. Eight and four. Hmm. Is that enough to win the SECs? No, I don't even see. I see us losing to Mississippi State, um, Mizzou, Auburn, and as bad as Florida's offense was, we have to show something offensively to you know make me think we can beat them. And by the way, you guys, I'm not trying to. I don't know everything in the world. I'm really. I'm an idiot, but. I told you guys that Missouri offense, and I know they were playing Missouri State, but dude, 800 plus yards total offense. Yes, their defense is terrible. Let's let's just put that out there. Yes, their defense is bad. I I was thinking, well, if that defense improved from like 118th nationally to like number 80th nationally, that offense would be good enough to win a lot of games. And I still believe that. I think the defense, uh, we'll see that it, it's troublesome for them, but they're going to score points on everybody. And on any given day with that offense, they can beat anybody. So yeah, I mean that's that's a scary game. Mizzou, Auburn, Florida. I mean, Florida didn't look so hot, dude. But, but still, but still, but still. I mean, we always we know we have our well-documented issues. That much the past two years, and yet we both yep. lost. Yeah, we have, we definitely have our well-documented issues there. I don't know if I, I this definitely impacts our season. But but think about it. 
really, I mean, let's say Eason comes back by Tennessee, all right? So are you still, even with Eason back there, you wouldn't feel confident us beating Missouri at home? It depends how his how healthy he is. Okay, well, yeah, you're right, you're right. But let's just assume he's come back, he's come back, he's healthy, he's ready to go. If he's back by Missouri, I may feel a little bit better just because I feel like we can, you know, while I think Fromm knows a good portion of the offense, there are going to be certain installments that he doesn't have a handle on. Yes. And I think it opens up our offense just a little bit more to have someone that's experienced there. Yeah, I mean, look, Fromm, again, you guys know I love Fromm, and I think he has an incredibly high football IQ. It's one of the reasons I love the guy so much. He's got all the leadership and tangible qualities that you could ever ask for. He has that in spades. And it's, but as high as his football IQ is, I know he was here for the spring. As much as I mean, he probably knows more of the offense than your typical true freshman would know at the quarterback position. But he doesn't know the offense as well as Jacob Beeson because he hasn't operated outside of three quarters. I be, I believe in Fromm, but to sit here and say that he is just as prepared to take this team right now as Eason is, I I, I don't know if I buy it. Here, you know, team. Everyone's talking about the first three passes of Eason's throwing. How he's just an arm. Well. You know, we didn't see enough, and I, th- I would think that there's a lot of NFL scouts that have been at practice this year, you know, that would disagree with a lot of people's assessment of Easton. I don't think we'd have all these scouts be coming to George's practice to watch Easton if they didn't think he was a talent. Oh, yeah, he's got all the potential in the world. I, I, Easton has to start putting production on the field, too. Um, he had his moments last year, but it, it was, they were too few and far between. He, he de- definitely has had his moments. I, I will go back and say this. I said this during the offseason. I think that if Fromm and Eason came in together at the same year, and look, this is hypo- totally a hypothetical, and I, I can't say this with any kind of certainty, but I I really believe that if they came in the same year, the same time, both, both early enrollees, I think Fromm would have beaten him out. I really do. I just think his football IQ was ahead of the game. His leadership qualities were ahead of the game. But the fact is, right now Eason's a sophomore, Fromm's a freshman. I think Eason as a sophomore is just better equipped to win football games for our team than Fromm as a freshman is. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it doesn't matter how far ahead you know he is or he is and what Easton was as a freshman. That year of experience just does tremendous. And then, you know, especially when you talk about Fromm, I mean, he'll have, you know, a couple games of experience, but we don't know right now what kind of experience those couple of games are going to be. I mean, is it going to be a good experience or what? We don't know. Yeah, there's just so much unknown. I, mean, I know we're speaking in hypotheticals here. We're just looking at different scenarios. But, I mean, but, but in all honesty, that's all we can do because that's yeah, all there are. That's all know? we know, yeah. I mean, we're just kind of spitballing here and just, just thinking about what could happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, go back to what I just said there. Like, But comparing Fromm and Easton as freshmen is irrelevant because they're never going to be freshmen together. Fromm's a freshman now, Eason's a sophomore. And I, as I said there, and I think you're with me, Eason as a sophomore gives us a better chance to win just because he's more experienced. He has a better command of the offense right now. Now, maybe Fromm by game six or seven, you know, maybe it's a different story. But I'm talking Fromm right now, week two in South Bend against Notre Dame. We'll see. Uh, I, I would feel more confident with, with Eason back there because he's been there, done that. Although I don't think that Fromm be intimidated. It's just a fact of, okay, what have you seen? What kind of coverages have you seen? How have they tried to, to attack you? You just haven't been in those situations. So, I mean, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed and hope for the best. I'll be up there cheering my head off no matter what. I'm just, uh, it's just I'm hoping for a very happy car ride back home from, uh, from South Bend instead of the miserable ride home. I've had far too many of those. So we'll just see how it goes there. But let's get into um, a few other things here outside of the quarterback situation. And let's talk about what we took away from that first week game um, other than Eason and Fromm and that debate. So, Kurt, start us off here, man. What did you take away from the week one game against Appalachian State? 
thing is that without Kinley, our offensive line is in trouble. Um, while you know we have some dirt, certain things that need to be cleaned up with, we definitely need him on the offensive line. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that struck me. And um, you know, I'll get into some of the other players later. And then um, second of all, um, have to say, you know, we thought Terry Godwin was going to have a big year this year, and if he's going to stay where he is right now, then he's going to just be in the two deep. He's not even going to be a starter, in my opinion. Well, um, it, it comes down to okay, if, if we're gonna put, well, we'll see what happens when Ridley comes back this week. Ridley, obviously, I think Ridley Ridley creates a little bit more separation. It's a little bit stronger against the bigger guys. Where uh, Godwin was better in the slot because he creates he's quicker right. in and out cuts, but he doesn't have the strength. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think when Ridley comes back, he's one of the outside receivers. Him and Wims are two outside receivers. And I could be wrong, but I, I would predict that's what's going to be. So it's going to come down to who do, who does our coaching staff want in the field in the slot? Is it Terry or is it Miko to open the game? I think they'll both see time, but. I think that's a question you have to answer, and we haven't. We saw a lot of Miko on on Saturday night, but he didn't get a lot of touches. I think he got what he yeah, called one pass. Someone kept getting snap infractions. Yeah, that that definitely did happen. Um, so I, that's that's what it's going to come down to. Because I mean, are you are you with me that Ridley's going to be one of those two outside receivers to open the yeah, open game? Yeah, he's just a better outside receiver. Or create clearly, he's more bigger, stronger, more physical. Yeah, creates better yeah. separation. And Terry, I, I, we've been saying that all along. I mean, Terry can play the outside. That's just not his most effective position. He's a. See, that's the thing. That's the problem with Terry. I mean, he's better as a slot guy. But there's other people that are, more explosive. are better than him in the slot. Well, he's he does a really good job working in space. Okay, he's a he's elusive. He's shifty in space, and and he can sit in those holes and work the middle of the field. That's where he's at his best. But he's not necessarily explosive. Okay, whereas a guy like Isaiah McKenzie last year was explosive in that in that position. So is Miko Hardman. Yeah, Miko's type that's explosive. Absolutely, and and Akil Crump. I know we didn't see a ton of him out there on Saturday. And I haven't seen a ton of him in my life. I just saw him at the open practice. But what I saw him, I was like, this guy screams explosive. I mean, this guy is a spitting image of Isaiah McKenzie out there. So I, Terry's – but he's got outstanding hands. He's a more polished receiver than those guys. I, I would absolutely vouch for him on that. I think he's a much more polished receiver than those guys. But he doesn't have the explosiveness of a guy like Miko Hardman or Akil Crumpton. Um, or even a Javon Wims. He just doesn't have that. So while I think he could play on the outside and be a good player out there, he's never going to be a great outside receiver. And he, he, I mean, I hate to say it, though. You saw it just in a couple plays where we tried to go deep with them to start the game off. He can't get separation from the bigger guys. Not consistently. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, that's the one thing yeah. that ever since he's gotten to Georgia and they've tried to put him on the outside, he doesn't create enough separation on the outside. Well, part of it was when you when you try to well, his first two years when you try to jam at the line of scrimmage, he wasn't big or strong enough to get off those. He he just couldn't fight off press coverage. I think he's gotten a little bit bigger now, where he's more equipped to do that. But he, he's still not as big as Wims or as big as Ridley, and he's just not built to do that like those guys are. Uh, he's gotten better at it. He's just still not. I wouldn't say he's great at it. So I. I just don't know where he – I mean, he's going to play first. Terry is going to play. I, I'm just curious to see where it's going to be uh, and how much of an impact he's going to make. I mean, he's, but he's a, he is a polished guy. He's got he's probably got the best hands on the team. It's just a matter of finding a place for him and who are you going to sit in favor of Terry Godwin, you know? That's a, that's a tough question to ask, and the coaches have got to make that decision. All right? What else you got for me? What else you taking away from the Appy State game? Um, I also have to say uh, I have to – I want to look at the defense and kind of talk about just the, you know, I liked what our front seven put out there. But yeah. at the same time, you know, those couple plays where I talked about earlier where he had blown assignments, you can't do that against a team that's well, explosive like another day. It's the same old story. It's the discipline on the edge. 
we we've we well first off we have trouble sometimes setting the edge doing it pro- with proper technique and sometimes we just flat out lose contain and there's different guys who have containable situations sometimes it's the defensive end sometimes or it's the guy the guys playing five tech sometimes the outside linebacker sometimes it's the it's the star position okay and in certain situations it could be the corner but the fact is we lost contain too many times and some of that was on the front seven absolutely it was. Uh, for, but I'll say this for me a takeaway speaking of the front seven I'll say this though I think our front seven is exactly what we thought it was I know this is just a one game setting and I don't like to be Mr. Overreaction to one game because there's a lot of football left to play I think people do tend to overreact way too much to the first game of the year but just watching what I saw out there on Saturday night our front seven looks to be exactly what I thought it was the defensive line is is ready to be a game changing unit particularly with Trent Thompson I think he's and again, one game, one game. But basing off what we saw at the end of the season from Trent and then him kind of continuing that on in game one against Appalachian State, I thought Trent Thompson played really well. I thought Tyler Clark played really well. Uh, John Lebauer, I mean, uh, John John Atkins played really well. Uh, Julian played really well. Rochester played really well. And then you had the outside linebackers. I really liked what I saw from Lorenzo setting the edge for the most part. Davin Bellamy had a nice, solid game. Uh, DeAndre Walker saw a lot of time, way more. I mean, he probably saw more time in that one game than he has his entire career at this point. Is that fair? I mean, I really think he probably did. Uh, probably. I was, and I was honestly surprised to see him out there that much. And I'm not talking just because he's traditionally been used to this point as more of a, a third down situational type pass rusher. That was not the case. He would come in in, in some of those situations, but he saw a full series. And part of that's because he's bulked up like Lorenzo. We've been on him. We've been critical of him not being able to put on weight. He's definitely a bigger guy. He's more physical right now. He wasn't perfect. You're right. There's a couple times where he lost contain. Um, but he's if you watch him off the snap, he's clearly our most explosive pass rusher. So I think our coaches definitely want to get him on the field. If he can keep that weight up, I think he can make some plays for us and be a playmaker for us out there as well. Uh, Roquan is who Roquan is. He's just a he's a bad man out there. And nature as we we use him we use him somewhat on uh, in some pass rushing situations. I'm very curious to see if uh, hey, we, use, we were very vanilla on defense. I think we were very vanilla on both sides of the ball. And I don't know if that was by design offensively. Uh, maybe it was that we just didn't want to show our hand. Did we really look for all the talk about how Cheney you know visit all these teams and talk to all these coaches during the offseason to work on our scheme? Did, did it look demonstrably different to you at all? Well, no, Kirby mentioned in the post game that their game plan coming in was just to wear them down because that's right. what they knew would work. And I think that was. And it makes sense. Yeah, because we didn't want to show. I mean, just like with Fromm, I mean, we were trying to open things up with him, but, you know, that's where you would have expected to see some RPOs and things, but you're saving that for Notre Dame. I saw, I saw maybe two or three. Um, and I've only watched I watched it live and watched it through one more time. So I go back and watch it a little bit more closely. I saw two or three RPOs. I think the one to Nada, um, where he kind of somewhat overthrew him. Nada reached up, made a great grab. That looked like an RPO to me. Going to go back and rewatch it again to make sure. But there's a couple there. Uh, maybe the one to not the one to Blazevich was not. It was not. But um, I. But do you think we were vanilla by design like that, or is it a function of Eason going down, Fromm coming as a true freshman, we were trying to protect him and went more conservative once he came into the game? I mean, we were very vanilla with Eason to start the game. Well, only eight plays, but we were. Um, You didn't see anything crazy uh, different. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we want to talk about the quarterback. I mean, we're so vanilla that within the first – with Nick Chubb's first five carries, he had a total of five yards. Yeah. Well, and that goes to the game plan. Like you said, like Kirby said, we wanted to wear them down. That's kind of what we said in the preview show. Is and, and see, I think that's also the thing is 
especially even after losing Eason, we knew that we didn't have to do anything special to beat them because it was obvious their offense wasn't enough a threat to our defense no. that where we knew we could stick to the game plan where we didn't have to put up 40 points to right. win. Right, and we nearly did, and you're right, we, we just wanted to wear them down the second half, uh, late in the first half and into the second half, uh, the floodgates kind of opened, and we were able to run the ball, not at will, but run the ball very, very well, um, and, and kind of salt the game away. The game was never in doubt, um, especially after we, we kind of opened the score in there late in the first quarter, we never looked back, they never really threatened us, so I think you're right, I think it's probably a little bit of both, I think part of it is that, you know, if, why show anything new and different if you can win just by being vanilla. It wasn't fun to watch. That was, I mean, we'll really find out come next Saturday. We'll find out in a matter of days here. We'll find out. But I do think some of us also trying to, I don't, maybe protect from isn't the right word. That's a little strong, but just being, just being careful. Like like you said, there's there's no need to go crazy. The throws he had, other than that one to whims, a lot of them were just quick three-step drops. Oh, yeah, the vast majority of them were. There's that one to Wims, and there's another one to Wims down to the, the – well, the touchdown pass to Wims, and you got the, the pass to Wims that set up a score down the west end uh, – towards the west end zone, which was an outstanding pass, by the way. Uh, and he wasn't perfect. Fromm was not perfect, but that was a beautiful ball. What about that touchdown pass to Wims we're talking about Fromm real quick? Bad decision, pure luck, or <laughs> genius? Um, you know, I would not have – wanted him to throw that ball because I think in the film room coach would be like dude don't do that again yeah you could see where Kirby brought him over the silence pat him on the helmet was also like don't do that again because I have to say against the SEC team I think that that against against Appalachian State that could have been a pick I mean Wims just went up and got it it's it's just lucky that I think more than anything Wims had his eyes they were they they kept running thinking you know not knowing where the ball was going he was able to come back to it right but that, like you said, that very easily could have been a pick, and that could have easily, honestly, when I first saw it, I was fearing pick six. Yeah, I had a couple of choice words to say. Uh, when yeah, I saw the ball because I mean, when I first saw it, you just see the ball, the ball floated, and it got me really mm-hmm. worried. But well, it, it, it made a great play. And going but, back yeah, and very, watching it uh, on on the the TV copy, he had pressure in his face. He couldn't step into the ball. Or into the throw. He had pressure in his face. He got hit as he threw it. Where it's dangerous to do that. And I have to also say the one that scared me too was that play to Swift. Yeah, um, the one-handed catch. I honestly think he was trying to get it out of bounds. The one, I, see, I don't know. I don't know if he was. I watched that play. Well, I went back and rewound like 10 times. I have to say that that ball is one yard away from easily being a pick six. In and, that's zone, what I'm talk- so yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Fresher mistakes. There's no need. If you were trying to throw that ball to him, why even risk it for a three-yard game? Why? Yeah, Why are you see, risking that's that? that? That's where you know we'll learn that he'll. You know those plays ended up being positives for us, but they so easily could have been pick sixes going right. both. Well, it's like Kirby says: it's about the decision, not about the result. It can't be about the result. It's about the decision. Was that a good decision? Yeah, it worked out. But how many times is it going to work out if you do that over and over again? Not consistent. Like you know what I'm talking about. Like when you start facing these SEC teams, which are quicker, have bigger, yeah. taller, longer guys, then those spaces disappear. Yeah, and look, I don't like Fromm making any mistakes, but I'm glad he – actually, I'm kind of glad that he made those and it worked out for us because you can that, – that's a teachable moment. You sit him in the film room and say, look, dude, you just take the sack. Just take the sack. Live to play another down. You do not need to be a hero in every single play. And, and I think that's something that's very valuable for him seeing that. And I do think Fromm – look, I don't know the guy personally, but I think he's the kind of guy – he seems to be the type of guy who will soak that up, absorb it, Take it, learn it, and apply it on the field. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say we'll never see that kind of thing from him again, um, but hopefully we'll see less of that moving forward. 
I'm hopefully. But that's what I'm talking about, the freshman mistakes, things like that. We got away with it against yeah, Appalachian State. Get away with it, but but you can't can, you can't count on getting away with it over and over and over again. You just can't. So that's what I'm talking about. I think he'll make some he'll, he'll do, he won't be intimidated. It won't be a, the moment won't be, won't be too big for him, but he is a true freshman. As high as his football IQ is, he is a true freshman and when the bullets are flying, unless you have the experience, you're going to make those mistakes. You got to learn from him, and I think he will. So we just got to we got to we got to take take the good with the bad with him right now until Easton comes back or until Fromm completely figures it out. We'll see. We'll see how it goes down there. Um, another one, another thing to take away from me was uh, I know he finished with under 100 yards, but right about a six point uh, 6.0 yards per carry average. Nick Chubb to me looked like the old Nick Chubb again. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, I, I would. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about the yardage totals. I know he didn't put up a huge yardage total. I'm talking about just the, the quickness, the cutting, the explosiveness, the acceleration. It looked like. Nick Chubb circa 2014. I and I think that bodes very well for us. Nick was good last year, okay? But I don't think anyone with a straight face can sit here and say that Nick Chubb was anywhere close to 100%. I'm saying maybe 80-85% last year. I, his knee was probably structurally sound, but he did not he had not recovered the quickness, the burst, the acceleration, the ability to, to plant and cut like he had before the injury. What I saw now was just one game. Again, I don't want to overreact, but here I am overreacting. Uh I thought he looked very good. He looked like the Nick Chubb that I got. I was used to his freshman year and his sophomore year, the first half of that year for the the uh, turf monster got him at Tennessee. Um, so that I think that bodes very well for us this year. I mean, especially with a true freshman at quarterback right now, we're going to need Nick Chubb to be Nick Chubb, and he, he looked like he could be that guy again. What about special teams? What are you taking away from special teams? I was about to say um, I was very impressed with special teams all the way around. I thought Beamer did a good job getting the team ready. Um, I think it's the, us having some better players and you know more experience, but at the same time, you know, I thought not only where the punts have a lot of air, but I thought our coverage was really good on them also. Yeah, I mean, you could you could see what Kirby's talking about and with I, the increased I mean, competition. People that are afraid of starters playing, I mean, I don't know who out there watched the Alabama game or didn't watch it, yep. but you have Damian Harris block a punt. Yep. On, on the ten yard line of FSU, I mean, so starting running back. Yeah, you're starting running back, and there's certain things like that that you know sometimes you don't want them. But as a coach, you know they're just your best best athletes. Well, I, what pisses me off sometimes is these coaches who put lip service to the idea that hey, it's one third of the game. Special teams is a phase of the game, just like offense, just like defense. And you go out there and you have walk ons on playing special teams. You, you you can't have it both ways. If it is a third of the game, which it is, you have to put your most talented players out there. And I get it that you don't want your your stars to get hurt, and it could be some high impact collisions and that kind of thing. But, dude, you're playing football, okay? Inherent in the conventional wisdom that it is not worth risking your starters getting hurt on special teams is the assumption that special teams' plays themselves are not as valuable as offensive or defensive plays. And in my opinion, I'm just one guy, but in my opinion, that just isn't the case. You can give up points on special teams just like you can on defense. And you can score points on special teams just like you can on offense. So to save a guy like... For instance, Sony Michelle just for offense and not risk him getting hurt on special teams, that just doesn't register with me. And then as a coach, you scream and yell about the importance of special teams and try to sell that to your team. But then if you turn around and refuse to use your star offensive and defensive players on those units, what type of message does that send to your team when the only guys that play special teams are the guys that can't get on the field otherwise? Well, see, I'm burning kicks or punts. No, yeah, absolutely that. But I'm like, but but on this coverage team themselves, or like you saw Damian Harris coming out for trying to block a kick, 
there's no reason that he's any more less safe doing that than he is running the football. Absolutely. Remember Sony his freshman year before he became Sony Michelle the running back. I mean, he 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 did some things he was during the football. Tackles left and right on kickoff. Dude, he was a gunner and he was a dude. He was a killer out there. They couldn't block him. They couldn't block him back out there at all. So I mean, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of putting guys out there, the guys that are gonna make the plays, whether you're a starter or not. And but the thing is, we do have a young a bunch of young guys out there, especially in this 2017 class, who are fast, long, physical, talented, who kind of make it give us a chance to put those guys out there and not have to use our starters because those guys have everything it takes to be very good special teams players. But you remember back to the Rick years, the middle of the Rick years, remember how many walk-ons you used to have out there playing special teams on those coverage units? Every time you would see a walk-on catching punts and we gained no position. Jesus Christ, Rhett McGowan, I mean, God. just and Even on the coverage units, these guys just run out there at no speed at all. You just can't have that. And we have the just depth like, now. Uh, yeah, fake field goal can stop their or fake punt. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. Was that Melvin Ingram running down the sideline? Yeah, all oh on. man, yeah, Melvin Ingram. Hmm. Yeah, thanks for that one, Kurt. Bringing up that memory. Um, yes, yeah, so, and Rodrigo. Look, Rodrigo is a good. He was a good field goal kicker last year. He was a really good field goal kicker. He doesn't have a great leg on field goals. At least he didn't show it last year. But he was he was accurate when we needed him to be and won some games for us or helped us win some football games. But last year he was terrible on kickoffs. Couldn't get the ball in the end zone. So I was maybe of all the things that happened. All the developments from Saturday's game, the fact that Rodrigo, I think all but one kick was unreturnable. That probably put a bigger smile on my face than anything the entire night. Because uh, I might say punting just to see some successful punts. That was, I mean, that's true. Punting too. I, to last me, last year we averaged like thirty something yards. It was terrible last year. We, we could not change field position. I mean, both of those. I, I, to me, I wanted to see Rodrigo put in the end zone because think about Vanderbilt last year. That doesn't happen if well, you put, I mean, put the ball in the end zone. It seems like his dad made him do his squats this summer. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that whole situation was a disaster. You think Rodrigo's going to get that scholarship? Uh, if he keeps it up for a couple more games, yeah, Kirby's not going to let it go. He's not going to let it be just one game. And yeah, because last yeah. year Kirby, or you know, Rodrigo blamed it on the T. Which changed T's had a good kicking game, but then we're right back to where he was before the game after. So right. if he did it for two or three games, you know, maybe I would give it to him. Well, yeah, I mean, you got one with Menak leaving scholarship opens up, and I know there's. There's some paperwork and there's some behind the scenes stuff that you have to clear before that can happen. But if he keeps it up, I think he'll he'll end up getting a scholarship, which is deserving, deserving for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think the special teams could be a strength this year, uh, which last year we all know it clearly was not. It was a vulnerability um, to the nth degree. Um, it was just a disaster last year. But punting looked really good. And Kirby said after the game, you know, he just Cam just got Nizzle just fell into our hands. Like he kind of basically, from what I understand, called up and said, "Hey, I want to come play for you guys. I'm a graduate transfer." And we're like, "Okay, sure, why not? We don't have anybody else." And that's really worked out well. Uh, Rodrigo, we talked about that. Re- looked really good. Uh, return units look solid. We didn't really did not get to return, but maybe what one punt, two punts. I think Terry returned well, one, and, and Crumpton returned one. While we didn't get to the twenty-five, it was nice to just see Nicole just run where you had Reggie Davis, who would be hesitant. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. I think we had two punt returns. I think, I think Crumpton got one, which was a questionable return. He probably should have fair caught it. But he, you know, were you, were you surprised that he was not the starter out there at punt returner? Uh, not completely. I, I I'm not surprised he went with Terry to start. Yeah, I think I think that Crumpton is probably uh, not probably he is our most explosive option at that position. But I think Kirby right now is trying to make a point that we're not going to put you out there unless we can trust you with the ball in your hands uh, and to not fumble, to not turn the ball over, and Terry's safer. Um, so I I get it to a degree. I was hoping Crumpton would be the guy, but I I understand where Kirby's coming from. 
you can lose football games. That can change a game on a special team's miscue and turnover like that. We've seen that happen before. We've seen that story. So as, as much of a threat as Crumpton could be, let's just make a point in that until we feel that you can absolutely 100% secure the football on a consistent basis that you're not going to be the guy that's out there. So hopefully that message gets through. Because remember with McKenzie, early in his career as a freshman, as dangerous as he was a freshman, Rick did the same thing with him. There's a couple times where he didn't go out there in a couple of games because we just weren't You saw it last sure. year a couple times where yeah. he put Terry back there. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, it's, and I know Terry was out there from the beginning, but last year kind of seemed like whenever we felt the game was close and Kirby was getting really tight, he would put Terry out there just to be safe. It's like, we don't need to make a play. We just need to not let the other team make a play. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how that develops and see if the, a little trust grows between Kirby and Crumpton back there because he is explosive, man. Um, I haven't seen a ton of him, but what I've seen, the guy can absolutely change a game. All right, uh, and finally, the last segment of our recap show, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to call this the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're going to start with the good. Uh, and with the good, we're just going to give out some ga- uh, three game balls kind of collectively here. The uh, Glory UGA guys is what we'll call ourselves. Uh, then we'll move on to the bad, which are things that weren't great but weren't necessarily disastrous. And then we'll move on to the ugly, which are the things that were disasters. So, Kurt, um, we'll go ahead and start here. We've got three game balls. I'm going to let you go with the first one. Who you got to start I'll go us off with? J.R. Reed. J.R. Reed. If everybody on the defense, you're going J.R. Reed. What, what impressed you about him? It's the fact that, you know, we really didn't know what we were going to have of him coming into the season, and he really came out there. And showed up and made some plays. Um, you know, he had a great, you know, some good form tackles. To me, the thing I noticed the most about him is any time, you know, anytime there's a run, especially, he was right there. I mean, he, he has a knack for the ball. I really see. Yeah, talking about a guy who kind of fell into our laps here. Now we did offer J.R. Reed. Now he's he's related to D'Angelo Gibbs. So the thought process is we offered him in order to get D'Angelo Gibbs. Tennessee was after him for the same reason. And Kirby has said as much in press conferences that we didn't know exactly what we had in JR. We knew that he could run a little bit. Uh, we knew he was a, you know, he's a guy that, could, that had some athleticism. But we really didn't know exactly what we had in him. He's, he's flat out said that in, in press conferences. But that has, that has paid dividends beyond what our coaches could have dreamed, at least from what, I can, what I've seen so far. This guy is a starter now. Uh, and not just starting, not by default or not by injury. This guy flat out took jobs, okay? I mean, he, he has displaced Aaron Davis. Now, Aaron Davis is a kind of a jack-of-all-trades can play in different spots, but he has taken over that starting safety spot um, over guys. I know they're true freshmen, over guys like Richard LeCount. Uh, his cousin, D'Angelo. His cousin, D'Angelo, who, who, saw, some t- who saw time in the dime looks, uh, but he's not there starting. And Trey Bishop, who I know is really raw right now, but he was a highly regarded recruit. So he's come out there, taking the job. And Kirby loves him. Kirby always raves about him when asked about him in press conferences. And he looked good. You know, that's the really only time that we've truly seen him in action. And I was, I'm was, i with you. I was absolutely impressed. He was where he needed to be. He's a willing hitter. Uh, didn't blow coverages, at least not in one game. So I'm, I'm with you, man. JRE, congratulations for coming on here. And a lot of people, you're just an afterthought. And you've made a name for yourself already, man. So congrats on that, dude. Let's keep it going. All right, uh, the second guy I'm going to go with here, um, I have to because I'm the president of his fan club. And that is Jake Fromm. And look, Jake Fromm, like I said at the beginning of the show, was, he was not perfect. I'm not sitting here and saying he was. No. I mean, there, he, there was a few receivers he stared down, made some some decisions that I think he'd probably want to take back and worked out, but not the best decisions. But he was also calm, cool, collected. He was not intimidated by the moment. He came in, got the job done. And he the biggest thing for me is that he was prepared. Okay, a lot of times a true freshman, if you're the number two quarterback, you don't know what it means to be prepared. You don't really you, you you're like, hey, I didn't win the job, not the starter. You kind of sulk for you know a couple of weeks, but as soon as Eason went down, Fromm came in and we were fine. He was prepared to go. He was in command. 
Um, like I said, wasn't too big for him. Did some good things too. I know he made some mistakes, but let's not say they were all mistakes. He did some, he did some very good things for us. Led that team through the game. Did not make any mistakes that allowed um, Appalachian, State, Appalachian State to get back in the game. Although some of them maybe could have, but. Regardless, it did not happen. We'll see what the future holds. I cannot predict the future, what's going to happen to Notre Dame, what's going to happen in the coming weeks. But at least for the way that he came in, handled the moment, led the team, did some good things, was prepared, and did his job, I'm going to go Jake Fromm on this one. All right, Kurt, and the last one, who are you giving that third game ball to? Uh, I'm going to go Nizilic. Cam, yeah, Nizilic, yeah, however you pronounce it. The guy from Columbia. The biggest thing about him is, you know, while Rodrigo did good kicking and stuff, he had shown bright spots last year. And sure. as I like, uh, we had no, knew nothing about. And last year, our punting was just terrible. We had what, an average about 34 yards a punt. Well, we had our year. third string quarterback became our punter midway through the season. Yeah, I mean, that's how bad it was for us there. Yeah. So um, just to see him out there and, you know, I think the thing that impressed me the most was he kicks, so he gets a lot of air on the ball. Absolutely. It's not just the distance, it's the hang time. Yeah, the hang time it can really make or break you. One of my favorite punters from Georgia history is um, it was a Gordon Kel- uh, Ely Kelso. Yeah, yeah, Ely Kelso, and his he you no know, he could kick the ball far, but the best thing about him was he was always getting tracked on a lot of air time and a hang time. And I think that's one thing I thought Nazile did a good job bringing to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just so important to be able to have the ability to flip the field, man. We could not do it last year. Like Curtin said, you know, we flipped the field every time we needed to, and that was not the case last year. Yeah, and we didn't necessarily have to do that against Appalachian State because we were just a better team. But when you get into the heart of the SEC schedule, you're going to have to be able to flip the field. That can change games. I know punter's not a sexy position, but it's a critical one. You have to have a guy that can do that consistently. All right, uh, well, let's go on to the stuff that's not so great here, uh, the bad. So things that weren't disastrous, but also not the best look. So where are you going to go on that one, Kurt? I'm going to start with Lamont Gilliard. Um, you know, the two snap infractions, you can't have that. No. Uh, I thought he, I I mean, thought he did a fairly good job Yeah, I mean, blocking. he did a good job. There were times where, you know, I thought he could have hit. Uh, you know, his blocking wasn't great at times, but I think just the two snap infractions sure. are just – You can't have it. it you can't. Yeah, that's just unacceptable. You can't. You cannot have. Again, it's kind of like with Fromm. It didn't kill us in this game because we were just better than them. But you get against Notre Dame. You get against Tennessee in a couple weeks on the road. You, you dude, you can't do it, man. You simply cannot do that. You can't have a third and four turn into a third and nine. You can't have a third and one turn into a third and six. You cannot have those against good teams, against quality opponents. You just can't. Uh, I will say, do you think he was? Um, I agree with you there. Don't you? Wouldn't you say though? From a blocking perspective, that's an upgrade over Cablano, at least for one game. For one game, I for mean, there's, game. There, I will say their nose guard was a cannonball. I mean, that was a big, big round, short guy. Yeah, low to the ground. Um, you know, he did get pushed back sometimes, but you and know, he wasn't he, perfect. But I thought there yeah, were he plenty wasn't of times. Perfect, but I thought he's a little bit more consistent than Cablano. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, again, I'm gonna go back and watch the line closely. I go back and watch the games about four or five different times. I focus on a different position every time, and I haven't quite gotten to the offensive line. I've seen a little bit there. Uh, I, will, I focus my first time through a quarterback situation. I want to see what Fromm was all about and some of those situations. But I will watch the offensive line. Before I saw, um, without focusing exclusively on the offensive line, I thought he played fairly well. But this, you're right, the step infraction, just you simply can't have it. Cannot have that. All right, I'm going to let you take the ugly one, man, because I know you've got some things to say here. So what was on your list of the ugliness from Well, the ugly is as simple as Pat Allen. Um, you know, the kid tries hard and everything, but to me he's an ass-back player. Can we? Can we? Can we not? A what player? 
ass back. Ooh, that yeah, man, dude. Tell them how you see it. Um, but can we all just say guard play in general? Um, I mean, the, I, the guard play was not great, but it was better when he was not in there. I, I actually thought Kendall Baker played the best of the three guards that were rotating in. I thought yeah, Kendall Baker played the, played the best. best. Um, you know, I, we really will see, see Ken Lee back at the right guard position when he's able to go. So it's really going to come down to the left guard position. But we were able to get a little bit better push out of Baker, I agree with, um, than, you know, some of the other guys. But he also, Sims, yeah. you know, with a, in a guy like that, when he's not going to have a lot of opportunities, you can't come in and jump off sides either. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, you absolutely cannot. I, I will say, because we didn't know that Kenley was hurt before the game. At least I had not yeah, been well, you and I both were texting. We were very upset I was, and angry I was pissed. I, 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 was, I, would, there was, I had some choice words for our personal decisions. I, just, I was like, I, I don't understand. I do not understand how this is possible. And then after the game, the press conference, you hear Kirby say, oh, yeah, Solomon's been hurt. I'm like, oh, okay, now I take everything back. It all makes sense. But if Solomon was healthy and he wasn't in there, I just I couldn't understand it. Because, I, I, again, we said that many times. I'll say it again. Those guys do not solve the issue that we had. I'm talking the Sims, the Baker. I mean, Baker is all right, actually. I mean, but Sims the, the Sims and the Allen hasn't done anything, so what's going to change? Yeah, the Sims and Allen just do not solve the issues that that plagued us all last year of just being undersized and not having enough meat on the interior of the offensive line to be able to move defensive fronts. And this was against a very undersized defensive front in Appalachian State. Okay, they are undersized and they're a quick unit by design. Okay, that's what they do. When we get in the SEC, that's not going to be the case. We're going to have some big dudes, and we're going to have to be able to move them, and those guys can't move. Now, when Kinley gets back, I, I, we'll be fine. We'll see what happens there. Um, but that that left guard spot, I'm going to be very interested to see how that plays out once Kinley gets back. I don't know. I, I think Baker might win that job before it's all said and done. I don't he, know. He, was, he looked a bet. I mean, there was a, the guard play wasn't great, but I thought he got yeah. – we were a little bit more successful running behind him. Yeah, and again, I have to go back and focus on the offensive line. That's my next uh, – Mission here. Actually, after we get off the show, I'm gonna go watch it again and focus exclusively on the offensive line. But again, from what I saw to this point, I thought Baker. This is my first watch. Played Alan the best is definitely of all not guys. the answer, though. That's. I mean, Alan awesome. was. Yeah, he, he. I don't think he. No, he's not the answer. He was just missing. I mean, the thing was, half the time you look at replays, it, like on the replay screen, and he would be looking around while the tackle was being made, not blocking anyone. Well, there was one play in particular down there on the goal line because I rerun and watched this one a couple times because I'm very interested in what we're doing, um, red zone offense and red zone defense wise. We got down the goal line. I think it was in the early third quarter, and we we were going the wild dog, um, which I, I'm not a big fan of how we ran it because it's basically just student body right or student body left without any motion coming in, without any sort of deception whatsoever. I'm hoping that we add that to the equation maybe this week. That'd be nice to see. Um, kind of get those line, block the linebackers without actually having to use a physical body, take them out of the play that way. But on that play, uh, we're running left. And you have a lead blocker in the backfield. Sony carries the ball, and Allen just flat out missed it, like just, just completely whiffed, completely yeah, whiffed. Right. He, he totally he, the guy rubs him, goes right yeah. by him. And maybe Sony wouldn't have scored anyway, but Allen completely whiffed, and Sony gets tackled for uh, for no gain or maybe a one yeah, yard I mean, loss. Give him a chance because, like, what you saw, Chubb, Chubb had contact made on his touchdown run, but he ran through it. Give them yeah. the opportunity to at least make him a guy miss. Yeah, I mean, Sony just had no chance on that play, and then we you have to be able to execute. Anywhere, but especially in the red zone, you have to be able to run the football, and you cannot just whiff on blocks like that. I mean, it was a one-on-one man block, and he just flat out whiffed. I know that's just one play, and there were there were a few plays where Allen was did a nice job, and he didn't do a terrible job every single snap. But there were too many times where he just got whipped, and that can't happen. Like, not against a defensive front that's that small and undersized. That can't because it does not spell. Uh, it doesn't give me any reason for optimism moving forward. Let's say that on the Pat Allen train. I don't know. We'll see. The coaches love them for some reason. I mean, they they've got their reasons. They seem a lot more than I do. But from what I've seen, it's not been uh, 
Again, don't want to overreact to one game. I guess I kind of am. Here I am doing the same thing. But it just I mean, wasn't. It's who you've been, though. Just like Sims, that's who they but are. But we haven't seen them. We've seen a lot of Sims. We haven't seen as much of Allen. I guess it's the first yeah, true action. If Allen had been the, that good of a player, we would have seen more of him. And that's another fair point. That's another fair point. All right. So that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, well, you know, there, there, like I said, outside the show, guys, there are a lot of really positive things to take away from this game, but there are some things to be concerned about. I guess you could, any team in America can probably say that unless you're Alabama. But even Alabama really has some things to be concerned about. Uh, but we will definitely be digging into this Notre Dame matchup. We did, uh, we did a lot of talk about it in the preseason, but we're definitely going to bring you all you need to know about this matchup in South Bend against Notre Dame. I'll be heading up there on Thursday morning, so uh, we'll be recording our preview show on Wednesday evening. Have that show for you guys on Thursday. Normally through the season, we're going to have three shows. This week, since it's Labor Day, got late. we record this show late. Normally we record this show on a Sunday night, but uh, had to go out of town after the game. So I'm just back here on Monday recording now. And uh, we'll have the second show of the week for you guys up on Thursday. But moving forward the rest of the year, we will have a, uh, a midweek show for you guys as well. So be looking for that in the near future. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, guys, appreciate you listening. And go dogs. <laughs>